Welcome to The Family Room, sponsored by Versprite, where we offer hope, encouragement, and wisdom centered on biblical truth and Catholic teaching, because God's kingdom begins at home. Now welcome your hosts, Mari, John, and Craig, right here on AM 1160, The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic Radio. Welcome to another week in The Family Room. This is Craig Wiesmeyer, and I'm here again with my co-host, John Gordon and Mari Cleveland. Good morning, Craig. Hello, Craig. We have multiple blessings on this show, but I think uh, we have a special blessing. Today we're going to do an interview with Father Larry Richards, and I know a few people may know him. I'm not sure. He's kind of a... you know, quiet in the background type mm. of a priest, doesn't doesn't do much out there. But I thought we'd draw him out. I thought we'd get him out into the crowd, maybe say a few things about his life. Uh, but no, I love Father Larry because he's, uh, he's always honest, he's up front, he loves the Lord, and he's all about spending time with Jesus and doing exactly what we need to be doing. So before I officially introduce Father, John, can you open us up in a prayer? I will do that. Please. We'll start in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And so many times we get wrapped up in our day, in our life, in our work, in our families, and we totally forget that at every turn there's this loving glance from you. It's more than a glance. It's a, it's a preoccupation, your constant love for us and constantly drawing us back to you. And this morning we're going to be with Father Larry, and we would just ask that you would Pour out your spirit on this conversation. Pour out your spirit on us. Pour out your spirit on our listeners and the people who listen to this in podcast form so that whatever touch they might need from you, that love that you want to provide, that they would receive it and it would make a difference in their lives, in all of our lives. And Father, we ask this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Well, before we bring Father in, let's... Let everybody know who he is. So Father Larry Richards has been a priest since 1989. He's an old guy. He's in the Shut diocese. Up. <laughs> I was married with three children by the time See? Father was ordained. So, so. He's, he's a much older guy. Uh, father's, he's, father's, he's actually only a few years older than you. It's okay. But, there you go. Sh- nobody knows it. Father's in the Diocese of Erie, Pennsylvania. Despite being a, Bra- a Browns fan, we'll let him in because he's a Steelers fan. Uh, he serves as pastor of St. Joseph's Church in the Bread of Life community in Erie. In 2004, Father founded the Reason for Our Hope Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to spreading the good news by educating others about Jesus Christ and the Catholic faith through his CDs, DVDs, and books. He's authored Be a Man, one of my favorite books, by the way, Becoming the Man God Created You to Be. It was a number one bestseller on Ignatius Press, sold over 100,000 copies, and he also wrote a second book on Surrender, The Life-Changing Power of Doing God's Will. Sold over 40,000 copies. Without going through this very lengthy bio, Father, welcome to our show. We lost you. Hold on. We lost you. Oh, no, wait. I got you. You got it? You're you're back. There you go. Okay. Okay. I must have put the wrong thing on. That's right. We'll get through all that. Anyway, welcome to the show. Anyway, don't lose me. What's the matter with you? (laughs) Gosh, I've been found. So now I'm found. There's a song about that somewhere, I think. Yeah, it sounds like a found song. Anyway. I'm glad we found you. Here we are, all together as we sing our song joyfully. Those of you who are older remember that. I do remember that song. (laughs) With guitar. Anyway. So, Father. Yes. 
How in the world did you become a priest coming from a family of two police officers and being from Pennsylvania? Being from Pittsburgh, that's the even the bigger thing. That's right. I always say the best, the best way to explain my family is Roseanne on TV. If you ever see Roseanne, <laughs> my family was much, 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 much worse. You know, so it was just uh, – I don't know what it ever was except for the fact that my mother, when I was uh, – I was baptized on her birthday, which was Easter Sunday, April 17th, 1960. And it, it hasn't happened April 7th uh, – April 17th uh, Easter Sunday until this past one. Mm. And I was baptized on that day 62 years ago. And right after I was baptized, my mother went over and she was only uh, just turned 19 that day. And she, I got baptized and she went over and she gave me to the Blessed Mother. Mm. And Mary took me. And uh, I don't know why she ever did that because it wasn't, she wasn't a pious woman in anything. It was just someone told her that's the thing to do. And so, and Mary took me and Mary always, I always said, always took Took, uh, took me and brought me to Jesus, and then uh, they sent me to a Catholic uh, grade school. And there, you know, with our first, uh, you know, a lot of these Catholic schools anymore, you know, they try to be Catholic, but please, we went our first first uh, thing every day is we went to daily mass. Period. That was yep. the first period. You didn't do anything else. We didn't get over Eucharitized or everything else. But going to that daily Mass really made a big difference in my life to realize the power of Christ being there. And so even though my family didn't go to church ever, my father never even went on Christmas or Easter, my mother never I, – I mean, I remember them being there for my first communion, <laughs> Wow. But that wasn't the thing. I remember looking at my mother after I found out missing Mass was a mortal sin. I come home to my mother, and I said, Mom, we got to go to Mass because if we don't go to Mass, it's a mortal sin. And she says, it's my mortal sin. And I said, you're going to hell. <laughs> right to my mother. See, see, I have no hope of salvation. But anyway. So prior to your that, degree in diplomacy, like what did yes, you study? Yes. <laughs> Pittsburghers do not have degrees in diplomacy. I live there. Definition. I know. it. I live yeah. there. We're all the same. It's not like we are who we are. That's all. So, so again, it was just a Blessed Mother's Prayer, as I often think of my mother uh, uh, giving me away then. Well, obviously, this, this, whole, this whole show is about hope. And to come mm -hmm. from a family, like you said, that was like that, and you became a priest. But mm -hmm. Mary took you. But what made you decide to become a priest then? Because you could have gone a lot of paths. Absolutely. When I, I used to work in the U.S. Steel Building in downtown Pittsburgh, and it was still U.S. Steel now. I forget what they call it. And I used to, uh, when I was a junior in high school, we were reading to play Our Town in a public high school because I went to a public high school, Catholic grade school. And uh, if you've never seen or read the play Our Town, the main character dies, and she's sitting in a graveyard. And the whole point of the, the, the play is to enjoy every moment of life because as she's sitting there talking to other people in the graveyard, she says, can I go back and uh, live, see any part of my life? And they said, you can, but you don't want to. But she decided to go back to her whatever birthday it was, and she saw all the people around here, and she said she never really lived life. That wasn't what hit me. What hit me was, as a junior in high school, that I was going to die someday. And I had like, like a panic attack in the middle of English class at a public high school. I almost had to get up and leave. Mm -hmm. That's all I thought about is like, okay, in those days, I used to say 50 years before I didn't exist. But now it's like 100 years before I'd say that I didn't exist. The whole world got along quite well without Larry Richards <laughs> in the world. And then 100 years from now, I won't be here again. And I just thought, so you're born. 
you die, that's it. And so I didn't believe in anything because I'm a, I'm a big one about truth. I don't believe, like when I do a high school retreat, I say just because you were brought up Catholic doesn't make it true. You could have been brought up Buddhist. You could have been brought up atheist. You could have been brought up Muslim. You could have been brought up everything else. So just because you're brought up something doesn't make it true. You've got to find truth for yourself. Mm-hmm. So when I realized I was going to die someday, I thought I've got to find out what's true because uh, my father was a Presbyterian, non-practicing. My mother was a non-practicing Catholic. My great-great-grandmother or grandfather was a grand- mother was a, a Jewish person. And so I had all these different things. So I thought, you know, what is true? So I would sit there and I'd go down to the Church of Epiphany in downtown Pittsburgh every day and I'd say, Jesus, are you real or aren't you real? Do you care? Or don't you care? And what pushed me to the Church of Epiphany is one day when I was uh, 16 or 17 years old, I'm watching TV. And remember in those days, you only had four channels. Right? Yeah. Exactly. Billy Graham was on. And Again, the younger people won't know Billy Graham, but most everybody else will remember who Billy Graham is. And so as a high school kid, you saw Billy Graham, and you were irritated because he was taking up one of the channels. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, Billy Graham. And I, you know, again, we didn't have remote controls. You had to go up and stand there and turn a, a dial. And so there I am, and I go, oh, Billy Graham. And I go to turn him off. But right before I turn him off, he says, I've seen people die click them off. And then I go, hmm, let's go back to that. <laughs> click them back <laughs> off. Uh, I've seen people die, he said before, and he says, and some people when they're dying, they're saying, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I don't want to die, I don't want to die. And other people when they're dying, they're saying, Jesus, I'm coming home. And I thought, if you could face death with no fear, that would be the greatest gift. So that's when I start searching. So I'd go to the Church of Epiphany every day, and I'd say, Jesus, are you real? Aren't you real? Do you care? Don't you care? And one day as I knelt there in front the Blessed Sacrament, Jesus revealed himself to me in a, in, a, in a powerful way. Not that he appeared in front of me, but I knew he was there. And I remember kneeling there saying, Jesus, I'll do anything you want. What do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to be a priest. And I said, okay. And my, my pastor wouldn't recommend me. He refused to recommend me because my family wasn't going to church. you know. And um, my parents, of course, thought I was absolutely out of my mind. I had to take my girlfriend at the time to tell my father because my parents were divorced and I thought he was going to kill me so he wouldn't kill me in front of my girlfriend. <laughs> so that good was call. A, yeah, it was a good reality. But think about it. I told – and she used to send me – because I entered seminary at 17, so I was in the high school seminary. So I went to two years high school seminary, four years college seminary, and then I had two years major seminary. I got thrown out of the seminary, <laughs> and then I got back in a year later. And then, uh, uh, and it was all – it's always funny when people say – uh, Why did you get thrown out, Father? And I now this is the true statement. I got thrown out because of my preaching. My very first homily we ever gave, my formation director was also my preaching instructor. And the first homily I ever gave was, uh, we're all called to be saints. And so he sits there, and he's getting madder and madder as I'm preaching. It hasn't changed in 33 years since I've been How about 3,000 years? I think somebody else got kicked out for saying things, too. I sat there, and I got down, and I go, "Uh, okay, Ron, what's the matter? And he says, first of all, I don't want to be a saint. Second of all, who are you you to tell people they're called to be saints? And I said, well, don't you think that's our job as priests is to tell people, call them the sanctity? No, our job as priests is to tell people God loves them and everything's going to be okay. And I go, okay. 
So my next homily, <laughs> I gave we're all supposed to have a daily prayer life. You know, is that this hard? Is that is this so radical? You know, so he says we're going to have a daily prayer life. And again, he's so mad. And I'm thinking, oh, what the heck? I get down. And I go, now what, Ron? And he says, Larry. And this again, almost 40 years ago now, when I was uh, 35, uh, th- almost 40, 30. Anyway, so here I am, and I says, he says, do you expect people to make $75,000 a year to have a daily prayer life? And I go, well, yes, Ron, don't you think that's our call? He goes, no, that's not our call. You know, and so I just, so they said, our main concern at Larry is an apparent lack of self-knowledge that expresses itself in a Pollyanna attitude towards life, that I wasn't in contact with reality. So I says, anyone that knows me, would they think, oh, yeah, Father Larry's a big Pollyanna. (laughs) I was. See what happened. The transformational power of Jesus. But again, so that's what got me in, uh, just being there in front of the Blessed Sacrament. That's why to this day, from like this morning, I'm up up at uh, 3.54 in the morning. I get up. I do my holy hour. I work out. I do all the things I need to do. Then I have Mass at 7 so I can give my uh, life away for the rest of the day. And be on our show. (laughs) That's when I fall asleep anyway. So the snoring is not me. Yes. That was amazing. So it's so amazing that God obviously pricked your heart in such a powerful way that at 17, you're sitting there and you're just asking him if he's real or not. And then and then he says, yes, I am. And then you're able to say, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to be a priest. And so just like that, Father Larry, you just say, okay, I'll go be a priest. There was like no hesitation. Just no hesitation. That's why even when I was thrown out, I knew I was going to be a priest because he told me, you know, so I thought. That's I don't know how this is going to happen, but okay. Let me back up for a second. Sure. Because um, we're going to eventually get to the topic of, of surrender. It's one of the things we're going to talk about. And and you talk about this hour of devotion. How is your understanding of surrender and this hour of devotion, how are they connected? It's a whole hour of surrender. I mean, that's uh, exactly what it comes down to. And And again, I don't. I wouldn't call it an hour of devotion with me. I'd sit there and say, if you're in love with somebody, you spend time with them. Mm -hmm. And the more you spend time with somebody, the more you love them. And the more, again, if you're married, you you spend time with your spouse, you spend time with your kids, you learn, uh, or your parents, that's where you fall in love. And the same with Jesus. That's why my biggest thing uh, is that going to Mass on Sunday isn't going to save anybody. You know, that can't be your whole relationship with Almighty God. You know, like people say, oh, you know, the only time I have peace is on Sunday when I go to Mass. Well, excuse me, you need a daily relationship. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm looking, I'm going to hire a new director for my... um, uh, foundation because my director is uh, retiring for the reason for our hope. And so they're talking about, oh, Father, we're going to get people to go to Mass on Sunday. And I go, nope, that's not enough for me. I says, I want someone that has to have a heart that they know Jesus Christ and they want to bring Jesus Christ to the world. And that's much more. That means daily committed prayer time. You know, it's just you, you, you can't say, you know, the greatest commandment by Jesus Christ. I always ask people, you know, what's the greatest sin? And they'll say murder, rape, abortion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the things you haven't done. I get it. But don't you think the greatest sin would be going against the greatest commandment? And the greatest commandment is you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. And you're not even on the same planet as loving God above all things if you don't have daily committed prayer time. So, again, like uh, – 
for me, like I do a lot of priest retreats now that I'm old. You know, I've been ordained 33 years. And so I just, my biggest struggle sometimes is to get priests to make sure they're praying every day. Well, especially if they were all formed by that guy who formed you and kicked you out, right? Yeah. Well, again, it was just, we just get so busy. (laughs) Unless you are committed to being in love with Jesus. I say there's nothing worse than a priest that doesn't pray. It's worse than a demon from hell because now the priest is pushing his own opinion on the people in God's name. Mm-hmm. So the biggest part about prayer is like my prayer every morning is I start the same. I start with Divine Mercy Chaplet because I beg God's mercy on us, on the whole world. That's our deepest need and smart. And then I say the rosary because when the Mother of God leaves heaven and says, say the rosary every day, ah, going to listen to her, you know, and so, and then I'll do my breviary because we, a priest make a promise to pray this breviary every day. So that'll take me about a half hour. And then I have a half hour of silence. So I can listen then to what God wants to tell me. Because again, all of us, every day I tell people that you, when you go to pray, if the only thing you did was talk to God, you did not pray. The prophets didn't come before God and say, uh, speak, Lord. I'm, they came before God and said, speak, Lord. I'm listening, not shut up, God. I'm talking. <laughs> so everyone, you might say your rosary, you might do all these things, but you got to listen to God. You know, what's the teaching of the church? Who made me? God made me. Why did God make me? God made me to know him, to love him, and serve him in this world so I can be happy with him forever and the next. Well, how do I get to know God? Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I have that in my adoration chapel. I wanted to say, shut up and know that he is God. Same reality. But 99% of people when they pray will not shut up. So they're trying to make God do what they want instead of listening so they can do what God wants. And that's why it's so important. What's making me laugh is I've got a guy here that is, is Christian, not Catholic. He cuts my hair. And we talked about scripture and he says, I'm sure the church muted a lot of this stuff because when I listen to you, I could see Christ going, shut up, sit down, listen. But they had, they had to soften it for the rest of us that are a little bit weak. Uh, folks, if you're listening in on the family room, uh, this is Father Larry Richards talking about surrendering, praying and stepping up and being the person God's called you to be. So anyway, you are very, very direct. You kind of say, here's the way it is. But the whole idea of sitting and listening, I mean, how do I do that when I've got all these other things I'm supposed to take care of? I mean, the world's falling down around us. I can't just sit there and listen. Well, again, you can. You better because you're not the savior of the world. God is the savior of the world. We know how all this ends up. That's what drives me crazy with people. They're going around screaming like they're chicken, like the sky is falling. The sky, shut up. God is in control. We know how all this ends. Jesus wins. We win in Jesus. We got to do what we do, but we got to let him be in charge. That's why you must shut up and listen every day. And again, sometimes people can't do that. They say, Father, it's just impossible for me. I say, that's why you go to the Holy Word of God. You spend time in God's Word. You know, I have a thing, no Bible, no breakfast, no Bible, no bed. So before you get out of bed in the morning, you have to have your Bible next to you. And before you go to the bathroom, before you do anything else, you sit there and you turn your light on, you pray to the Holy Spirit and say, because only the Spirit of God can reveal to you the Word of God. An atheist can read the Bible and nothing happens. You need to 
Spirit of the living God to sit there and reveal this to you. So you pray the Holy Spirit, and you say, Spirit of the living God, speak to my heart your word. And then you open it up, and then you slowly start reading till God takes a two-by-four, whacks you over the head. <laughs> And then you stop, listen, and you respond. So again, people say to me, Father, what? God doesn't talk to me. I go, come here. Whack! God's <laughs> always talking to you. What's the problem? You're not listening. So if you go before you listen to the world, the flesh, or the devil, every day before you listen to the world, the flesh, or the devil, you let God speak to you first. And then you respond. So you can put that whatever God said to you on a piece of paper. You put it in your pocket or you put it in your purse, and you pull it out all day. And you're now in a... Uh, relationship, a, a conversation with Almighty God. He spoke to you before anybody else, and now you're responding to him all day. You can do that in a journal, prayer journal. You put that in there. This is what God said to you, and you go back and forth all day with him. And it'll change your life because now you're in a relationship with God. I think too many people, Catholics, Christians, go through the motions of being a follower of Jesus, but they don't know Jesus Christ. Yeah. And that's why the teaching of the churches, the meaning of life is to know God. So you got to be still, you got to listen, you got to let him be in charge. And as you said, when you know, you're, we're supposed to know God, love God, and then serve God. And how can we love him if we don't know him? Exactly. Right. And then be known by him. And, and one of the things, Father Larry, I know you talk a lot about is being known by him is being known and understood that you are his beloved, that you are his beloved. I know that that one of, yeah, Mark, right? Mark 111. 111. Everybody should remember that. Have it memorized. Yes. And that's one of my very favorite verses, too. I I share that with so many people, that baptism of Jesus, that God is saying, you are my beloved son. I am well pleased with you. And Jesus hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't even started his ministry, right? And God loved him um, just like he loves us. And one of the things that you, I love your practicality. One of the things that you also shared is you shared a kind of a five minute day practicality where you talk mm-hmm. to people about kind of just being in, in God's presence. Would would you break that open a minute where you talk about Absolutely. Three things? I say there's five points to it. The first thing you do is you gotta be you gotta breathe. So I say, uh, breathe at least three deep breaths in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, because, again, when you go to prayer, like uh, Pope Benedict says, when you go to adoration, it's like getting mouth-to-mouth resuscitation from God. It's what gives us life. So when you're breathing slowly and you're imagining God is giving you life and breathing his life inside of you, then you can be still, because you've got to come to the present. Then you do three things as you imagine that you're in the presence of Jesus. He's right there. First, you tell him you're sorry. You've got to repent of your sins, and not the sins of – not the you know, the list you go to every week or every other week or every month whenever you go to confession. Yeah, I did this. I had three dirty thoughts. I had four to whatever. Just sit there and tell Jesus you're sorry for your sins. And don't make excuses for your sins because if you make an excuse for your sin, God can't forgive that because it's not yours. It's because of this. I sinned. I got angry. I got mad. I had lustful thoughts. It was me. I hurt my relationship with you. I took you for granted. I hurt other people, and I've hurt myself. I'm sorry. And so when you do that, after you're saying that to Jesus, just a relationship, you feel him take his hand, and he puts it over your head, and the drop of the blood from the wound that he has covers you. And he says, I have mercy on you. I forgive you. So you begin with making Jesus your Savior. Huh? I'm sorry, and let God forgive you. Next minute, I surrender. So again, 
I, you know, I have a new book coming out called uh, Just Live It, Living the Principles, the Ten Principles of the World's Most Famous Prayer. And I says it's the Lord's Prayer, of course. And I say the way people should say the Our Father is the way they mean it. Thy kingdom come, my will be done. Please bless it on earth as it is in heaven. You know, but what you're saying is, God, I exist. You know, if you go to Daily Mass today, it was, it's one of my favorite readings, the Gospel, because the last line of the Gospel in today's reading, and this is the 20, 17th of May, I don't know when you're going to be listening to this, but the 17th of May, and it's in John's Gospel, and it says, Jesus says, the world must know that I love the Father, and I do everything to please him, or I fulfill all his commands, if, for all of us. And that means that I know I love God and I love others if I've surrendered my will to his will. So when you surrender everything, you surrender your money, you surrender your body, you surrender your health, you surrender your family, you surrender everything, because it only takes one thin thread to keep a bird from flying. If there's anything in your life you keep from surrendering to God, it'll keep you from entering into holiness. And that's everything, your sexuality, your money, it's everything. So when you say, I surrender, you surrender everything. So I'm sorry, I surrender, and then I say, it's one minute, I'm sorry, one minute, I surrender, and then three minutes with, hold me. You just ask, you know, Jesus said you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. You can never enter the kingdom of heaven. You can never enter the kingdom of heaven unless you change and become as a child. Only children let themselves be held. So you've got to become that little boy or little girl spiritually and let the God of the universe embrace you. Mm-hmm. Because the deepest need in everyone's heart is to be loved. I don't care how tough you are, how thing you know, oh, I'm tough. Oh, shut up. The only thing you want is to be loved. And you need to let God fill you with himself because if not, you're going to try everything else to fill you. So you've got to let God love you every day. So you put your head on his chest like John the Evangelist did at the Last Supper, and you listen to his heartbeat. And that's where John always represents the whole church when in John's gospel. So that's what we're called to do. We're called to put our head on the chest of Jesus every day, three minutes. So I'm breathe. I'm sorry. I surrender. Hold me. And then the greatest thing is you sit there with Jesus and Jesus will say to you, pray with me the words that I taught you. And then with Jesus Christ, you let him lead as he leads you in the Lord's, his prayer. Mm. And you just slowly Hour. I mean, gosh, what does hour mean? That means everyone in the world's my brother or sister to me. Stop making the divisions like we always do. I'm better than you. I'm stop it. Stop it. Stop it. How do you think that makes God feel? When we sit there and we think we're better than any other brother or sister, he created everyone and Jesus died for everyone. And we sit back and we demonize him and everything else. Everybody. When I say our, that means everybody. I don't like that, Father. Good. Now you're going to grow and get over yourself. (laughs) Father, you know, Teresa Avila would go into hours of ecstasy. She couldn't get past the word Father in the Lord's Prayer. What does it mean that God is your Father? So you slowly, with Jesus, pray that prayer, letting him lead. It'll transform your life five minutes a day. Breathe. I'm sorry. I surrender. Hold me. Say the Lord's Prayer with Jesus. That is wonderful. We are with Father Larry Richards, and we will be back in just a few minutes. We'll be right back inside the family room in moments. Sponsored by Versprite on The Quest. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support. 
Here at The Quest, we often hear how our programs touch hearts and change lives. Now more than ever, people need to hear the truth and beauty of the Catholic faith. As a 100% listener-supported station, The Quest relies on monthly donations to stay on the air. Please consider making a monthly donation to The Quest and help us continue to provide inspiring Catholic programming. Monthly donors are the lifeblood of the station. Visit thequestatlanta.com to donate. Thank you for your support. Hi, this is AJ with The Quest. Did you know that we are on a mission to invite, inform, and inspire listeners like you? We want you to embrace your journey and take one step closer to God by not only listening, but engaging with us. In fact, we could use your help with making this vision a reality. I ask you to prayerfully consider joining us as a missionary to help with volunteer tasks at our studio in Roswell, Georgia. If you feel called to help and would like to learn more, please send us an email at info at thequestatlanta.com. Does your parish, charitable organization, or ministry have an upcoming event that you'd like to promote? Advertise it on AM 1160, the Quest Community Calendar. It's easy and there's never a fee. Just visit thequestatlanta.com, click on events, and submit your activity or event. Enhance the success of your community outreach event. Take advantage of the Quest Atlanta's complimentary community calendar and gain more exposure to the Metro Faith community. Submit your event at thequestatlanta.com today. St. Joseph was a man of few words. In fact, not a single word of his was recorded in Scripture. But the Father of Jesus spoke abundantly in his silence, and he certainly gave us a lot to talk about. Want to go deeper? Listen to the St. Joseph series on your Quest app and on thequestatlanta.com. This is Lisa Popchek from More to Life. Catholic Radio changes lives. It's for you, with you, every single day. Whether you're rejoicing over something and you need a community to share that with, or you're struggling with something and you need a community to support you. We're here for you every day to teach you about your faith and to help you live it. This is your home, and we're always here for you. Thanks to our friends at EWTN, our programming is provided free of charge. But this station has other expenses that must be paid to keep the doors open and the lights on. Support of your local Catholic radio station helps keep shows like More to Life available in your area. No matter the amount, your gift works to make a difference for you, for others, and for the future of Catholic radio. Please prayerfully consider making a gift right now. We'll talk to you soon. To donate, log on to thequestatlanta.com. Welcome back to The Family Room with Mari, John, and Craig, sponsored by Versprite on AM 1160, The Quest. We're speaking with Father Larry Richards, and we're talking about all kinds of good stuff. Really, I think the big message here is, is getting close to God and understanding that, that we're loved. And Father, um, I think one of the things that, that I recall from some of the conversations that I've heard uh, on some of the YouTube sections was, God loves you. You referred to um, the woman caught in adultery, right? And so mm-hmm. God loves you. And, and then you say he loves you so much, he's not going to let you stay where you are. I, I will never exactly. do justice to it. But talk to that, because for me, that was that was that thing that's like, okay, yes, it's not just... Well, I, see, again, I always come back as Jesus is our primary example of how to live the Christian life. You know, so often we want to go back to the Old Testament, which is still God's word, but it's a word without Jesus, a word without 
Jesus coming and showing us how to live it. So we got to always look at it with that reality. So how does Jesus deal with the woman caught in adultery? Well, first of all, like what we, uh, again, he sits there and he deals with her and he goes with everybody else because the law says she should be uh, stoned. He knows that because he wrote the law, right? He's God. You know, it's not like, oh, I don't know that. Oh, thank you for telling me that. He just sits there and he never says what she did wasn't wrong. He never says that. Mm -hmm. But he looks at everybody else and he says, yep, you know, those who are without sin cast the first stone. And again, all of us, there's not one person on this earth beside the Blessed Mother of God who could say that, oh, yeah, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. You deserve damnation, and so do I, every single one of us. I don't care if you go to daily mass, you do your holy hour every day, and you say ten rosaries, you deserve eternal damnation. Know it. Believe it. That's why you need a Savior. So before we start throwing stones at other people because they're not as good as me, Jesus looks at them and says, those without sin cast the first stone. Everybody leaves, and he says, does anyone condemn you? And this is very important because he, she goes, no one, sir. And then Jesus begins with, and neither do I condemn you. Now, everybody who's righteous loves to say, no, no. Then he said, and, and go sin no more. Yes, you righteous son of a so-and-so. I get it. I've heard it. I've taught it many years. Thank you for thinking you know better than everybody else. But what goes first is him loving her and setting her free. Mm -hmm. Then he can say to her, go and sin no more. Even in the Old Testament, before God gave the Israelites the Ten Commandments, he set them free from their slavery, yeah. and then he gave them the commandments. We often throw commandments on people who have mm, never yeah. experienced Jesus and his freedom or his love, and that's why it doesn't work. Mm -hmm. They have to experience God, and when they experience God, like once I was doing a, a, a you know theology on tap. You know what theology on tap is? Yeah. You know that down there? Yeah. And so this one guy come up, and I'm in uh, an Ohio somewhere, and uh, so this kid comes up and he says, Father, what are we going to do to stop people from having sex before marriage? And he just, you know, and he wanted me to sit there and say, just tell them they're all going to hell. And I did, I did it that way for many years because I taught all boys at a Catholic high school, and they used to sit there and say, that's okay, Father, all my friends will be there. Uh, anyway, but the reality, I said, the only way we're going to stop people from sinning is bringing them into an intimate relationship with Jesus, and then they will stop sinning. Mm. It we, we doesn't work the other way. When we condemn people and hit them over the head, we chase them farther away from God. When Jesus did it, again, how did Jesus do it? He did it with Zacchaeus. You know, I'm going to have dinner with you, and to have dinner with someone was table fellowship. Yeah. That means to make them one. Before he repented, he still had table fellowship, and because he was going to do that, then Zacchaeus repented. So we got to enter into relationship and walk with people. We, the whole point is to get them to stop sinning, of course. You know? It's not like, well, it's okay, just love God as you are. No, God loves us as we are, but he loves us too much to keep us as we are. Just like if you want to be loved just as you are, just go through McDonald's line. That person will love you just as you are as long as you have $5 for your McDonald's burger. <laughs> but if you want to grow in relationship – then I'll meet you where you are, and I'm going to walk with you to where God wants you to be. Mm. And if you're in a relationship with somebody, you'll do that. We do this all the time with our own families, normally, yeah. with your own sons and daughters. If they're not living the faith, 
when you yell and scream at them, oh, that really makes them come back to God, right? <laughs> you walk with them to get them where God wants them to go. So I just think it's an important, this is the way Jesus did it. It must be the way we do it. So I blundered, because I was so anxious to hear that, um, that we, we passed something that's like a tradition in the family room, Father. Yes. And that's for you to tell us your favorite family room memory. The, the, the best one I can tell you, which we could share, is the, uh, <laughs> it just happened uh, a couple months ago. My mother died on uh, Ash Wednesday. And as my mother, now my mother was a cop. She graduated highest ever from the Pittsburgh Police Academy. I used to say about my mother, she missed her vocation. She should have been God because she knew everything. You know, <laughs> to tell you that, you know, and so my mother wasn't a big person on the church, no big thing. My mother had never heard me. In all these years giving talks, she never came to one of my talks, even when I was in Pittsburgh. It wasn't part of her reality. Mm-hmm. And so, but as my mother got Alzheimer's, these last, especially this last year, she became very gentle. And my mother, when I was in uh, grade school, uh, she got mad at me for something, and she she took a butter knife, and I was home for lunch from grade school, and she threw the knife at me, hit me on the side of the head, and said, I gave you life, I can take your life. That was my mother. Now, as she had Alzheimer's, she got very, very gentle with me. Very, very. So the rest of the family, she wasn't so good with. But I would sit there with her as she was uh, in Alzheimer's. And like we're walking down the hall and we're holding hands. And she'd say, you know, it took me, I told her forever how much I loved her. And she would never respond. And then one day she responded after me saying, I love you every day for like uh, uh, seven years. Then finally she responded. But now, when, with the Alzheimer's, she constantly said that. Mm-hmm. And as she was dying, I sat there and I was down every day with her, and I gave her absolution, plenary indulgence, the moment of death, and I divine mercy chaplet for seven days in a row. And then I says, "Okay, you can go anytime, mom." And uh, when she finally took her last breath, that, that she was in a. Uh, I'm in Pittsburgh, which is two. I'm in Erie, which is two hours north of Pittsburgh, and she was in Pittsburgh. And we had her in a hospice at a. There's no Catholic hospices. They had the Lutherans had it, so they took very good care of her the last couple of days. And I says I was going down. Uh, I had all the, I had mass here, and I had to drive down to see my mother. And I'm saying, Lord, you know, you can take her any time, but please let me see her before you do. Mm. Well, that wasn't going to work. My mother was not. None of us were there. But the Lutheran pastor came in and put ashes on her head, and she died 10 minutes later. Wow. You know, remember that you are dust, and unto oh, dust wow. you shall return. And that became real for her. And so the whole process of me being with my mother as she took her final breath and entered into the kingdom, I think is by far my best memory of my whole family. Mm. That's, That's a great beautiful. memory. That's though. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I have a question. Sure. As, you, as, as you raise kids or you have people in your family, a lot of us don't know Christ. A lot of us know of about him, especially from the north. I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. Um, it, it, I know. It's a sad thing, but it's okay. <laughs> You're cultural, right? I mean, it's sure. like a Catholic church in every corner. I went because I was supposed to go, blah, blah, yep. blah. Yep. When you have kids or when you have family members that take the view, well, the church is just a bunch of these rules and I'm going to go to hell anyway because I can't have sex, but yet you're also telling me I can't do this passionately or I can't do that. Or, well, Jesus said, if you just look at somebody lustfully, you've already committed adultery. Sure. I have no chance. 
There's no oh, way. Well, I was going to say you have no chance, but the reality is, is that. But he told that to his apostles who were walking with him. All the teachings he did, especially the disciples, were to his disciples who walked with him every day. The biggest thing we can do as parents, as I always say, is that we bring our kids to a relationship with Jesus. That means we have to be in a relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And if you're not in a relationship with Jesus, instead of just bemoaning the fact, oh, I don't know Jesus. You know, I had my podcast and I had someone come on. He was a Catholic speaker. And I says, what's your hope? Give me a reason for your hope. And he goes, I don't have any hope, Father. And I go, oh, oh dear. So we never put that out. But anyway, but I, he sat there and says, oh, Father, you talk about, uh, you know, knowing Jesus. He says, I don't know Jesus. The only reason I believe in what I believe is because all the evidence points to Jesus. And he says, you know, you do no Bible, no breakfast. I don't do any of that stuff. I said, that's why you don't know Jesus. So I don't want to hear why you don't know Jesus. And you you are called to know Jesus. And if you're going to – because, again, the church teaches that. To know God is what's necessary to go into heaven. So, again, so, well, what am I supposed to do, Father? Well, begin by start spending time, begin by listening, begin by reading the Bible every day. I can't take how Catholics don't know the Word of God. Mm -hmm. It drives me insane. Mm -hmm. Like I was just in Ave Maria uh, this past weekend, and again, a lot of the places will say, you know, they say the uh, um, St. Michael prayer after Mass. Mm -hmm. Great! I said, great! That's a great reality. But you're asking someone else to do something when God gave you a weapon. Mm -hmm. The weapon is the Word of God. Word of it says it at the end of Ephesians, the Word of God. Take on a battle with this. So you've got to spend time. Just don't ask St. Michael the Archangel to go and <laughs> defeat Satan for you. You go, and you have God gave you a weapon. Use it. Exactly. You know, you know, no, I'm afraid of Satan. Well, you shouldn't be. He's nothing. He is absolutely nothing. Christ lives inside of you. You are more powerful than the devil, and he gave you the sword to defeat him. So use it. Read it. Don't just say these prayers, and the prayers are good. I'm not saying they're not good, but they're not enough. You got it. God gave you a weapon. Use it. Spend time in the word, and the devil will flee from you very fast. If you were just tuning in, you are being exhorted by Father Larry Richards. <laughs> we are so thankful for him to be here with us in the family room right. today. Father Larry, I love that because I love in Ephesians, as you said, the word is the sword of the spirit. And that's the, when you put on the armor of God, yep. if you think about it, that's the only offensive weapon he gives us, right? Exactly. <clears throat> all the other parts, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, all of that, those are defensive, but he gives us the offensive weapon, which is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I'm the same way. I just, I love the word of God and it drives me crazy when people don't know the word of God. Yeah, they yeah. need to. For their, they just, it, It's not an option. St. Mm -hmm. Jerome says ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Christ. Mm -hmm. So how do I get to know God? you got to know the word. You must start reading the Bible every day. Now, again, I go and I do missions. I say this, and people say, Father, I'm 90 years old, and no one ever, no priest ever told me before that I had to read the Bible every day. And I always say, let me look. Yeah, I don't see any dirt on top of your head, so you're not dead yet, so you can still learn something. <laughs> you need to learn to read the word every day. Well, and you, I, I heard you say that in seminary, you realized that you were going to, after you got out of seminary, your job was going to be 
to share Jesus with people. Yep. And you said, I first I realized I needed to spend time with him to fall in love with him and know him. So you spent four hours a day in front of the Blessed Sacrament to yep. get to know Jesus. You know, and yep. I'm thinking about as, as parents, that's our first job. Our first job is to help our children know and love Jesus. And so we do need to be doing that, right? Spending time and with Again, him. that's how John Paul II, one of my favorite heroes in the whole world, is John Paul II walked into his father unannounced in the middle of the night one day. And what was his father doing? He was on his knees in prayer. Mm. That's why John Paul's a saint. Because if the parents of children would spend more time on their knees in prayer, more time in prayer, and they were that example. Because, again, my father had a line, and he died of alcoholism, but his biggest line always was, you do as I say, not as I do. Mm. Well, that's the worst thing you can ever say. And people nowadays are listening right now. They tell their kids that. Well, they're always going to do what you do. Because what you do speaks louder than what you say. And so we must be men and women of prayer. And our kids need to see that. They need to know that you're praying for them every day. If you really want to be powerful in that, before they go to bed, you put your hand over their head and you bless them every day because you as a father and mother have the power to bless your children. And they can feel that and they can feel the power of God going through you. Great things can happen. But what's happening at too many Catholics is we just follow the rules, go to Mass, do that with no intimacy with Jesus, it will not last Mm. unless you know Jesus and you bring your kids to know Jesus. So, Father, a lot of parents will say, I can bless my children. I thought only priests could do that. So what's a nice prayer that that you could say, tell our listeners that they could say over their children as they go to bed? Well, again, you can put a little cross on their forehead and you say, may God, may you know the love of God. May you know the protection of the angels. May you know that I'm always here for you and with you. You just, you say it from your heart. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm a big one about not just saying a certain prayer over because it becomes a a ritual instead of a heart prayer over your children. And I just think you can say the same thing, but let it be yours. If you have to write it down ahead of time so you can learn it or to say it, but I'm telling you, when they find out that mom and dad have this intimacy with God, they talk to him like he's real. And it's so funny because when we say, I always like again, and again, I say the rosary and everything every day, but if if your only prayer is prayers that someone else said, That's just sad Mm -hmm. because you're praying another person's prayer when God wants you to talk to him. You know, he says in Matthew, John chapter 15, I call you my friends. Mm -hmm. Well, talk to Jesus as your friend, you know, and listen to him as your friend. And then you'll grow with him. But again, that doesn't mean you don't say those prayers, but you've got to go beyond praying what someone else taught you. And even if you say like the Lord's Prayer, which, of course, is the most powerful prayer on this earth, when he, when he taught the prayer, he says, when you pray this prayer, do not rattle on like the pagans do. Mm-hmm. And yet I go all over the world, and every time I go to a Mass, 99.99999% of people at the church Rattle on like the pagans do when they say the Lord's Prayer. Mm. Watch, listen to your parish this weekend, how fast everybody says the prayer. Nobody knows what they're saying. You know, again, someone will come to me and say, Father, I'm having a bad day. I go, just thank God for your bad day. Well, no. Well, did you say the Lord's Prayer this morning? I did. Did you say your will be done? I did. Well, this is his will for you. Why didn't you thank him? Well, that's not what I meant. I know. We have no idea. When this book comes out in the Lord's Prayer, People are going to go nuts because it's going to be like, 
I didn't know that's what I mean every time I say that. <laughs> yes, forgive us as we forgive. So if there's one person you refuse to forgive, you're going to hell. You know, No, that's not true. God said it right after he taught us the prayer. If you, if you forgive others, your Father will forgive you. If you don't forgive others, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you. Every time you say the Lord's Prayer, you're asking God to forgive you the way you forgive others. Oh, I hate you, Father. Oh, I know. It's it much worse. So, but you got to know what you're saying if you're going to pray a prayer. Know what it means. John, I don't know what to do with all that. It's, it's you process it. Uh, <laughs> we'll call you in a week. No, I think there's a couple of things that resonate from what you're saying, Father. One of them is very clear listening to you that you don't mince words. There are objective truths, right? And I think what I learn as I listen to you, I would love to take all these things that you're telling us and point at anybody you want me to point to and say, see, see this, see this. And I'm the guy with the log in his eye, exactly. right? You're, you're telling me, John, look, yeah, all this stuff is true. By the way, none of, none of this is good news in a certain sense, bro, because <laughs> you have messed up. And I want to say, and this society of ours and this culture promotes this. And you're saying, and they invented mirrors in this society a long time ago, and you might want to have one and have a look, cause, and you won't get too close because the log is long. So that's what I hear you saying. It's like, while we want to talk about everything going on around us, you're saying, look in the mirror, look in your heart, and then you're going to find some garbage, sure. to use a theological term. And this is why... <laughs> This is why your message is so powerful and why I skip right past the family room to talk about the woman caught in adultery because I want to hear from you and as many people as possible and then tell as many people as possible that the first message is I loved you before anything else. Mm -hmm. exactly. Before you were created in your and mother's womb, I loved you. And that's what the Lord does to me. I mean, so he convicts me and then I convict others. It's not like, oh yeah, I'm just throwing rocks or telling people. <laughs> I'm telling you every day when I go to pray, God kicks my butt from one side of the room to the other in the chapel a lot of times. You know, so he convicts me, and then he says, now, you go and preach what I told you. Okay. <laughs> but he told me first, and he made sure. But again, I just think it's so important. So you got to – like if I wasn't praying every day, for me to say everything I said would be just so hypocritical. It would be horrendous. Well, it wouldn't be believable either. There's exactly. a, there's, a, there's a credibility about you that, that comes with the clear understanding. Well, I think what's interesting too, Father, is in your book, Be a Man, you talk about how Jesus was the – pure representation of what a man was. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because he didn't make a political statement the entire time he was on earth that we've recorded. <laughs> he simply said, give to Caesars what is Caesars. I almost said, I don't give a, you know what, about what exactly. Caesars got going on. But what did he do? He touched the untouchable. He loved the unlovable. He sat with people like me and said, you're an idiot. You know, but come, I love you. Exactly. I <laughs> come out of this nonsense you're doing. But yep. we, we, we tend to translate that, in, and you, you used a phrase that was pretty funny, you know, God being Barney. I love you, you yeah, love yeah, me. you love me, exactly. But there's no depth to that. No, and there, there's no relationship with that. Again, too many are just following a bunch of rules. They're not entering into intimacy. And if anything people get out of this is you must enter into intimacy. If you don't have intimacy, we'll begin today. That's all. And just spend time and say, Jesus, I want you to uh, get to know you. Come into my heart. Take control of my life. Do it. 
You know, and again, every day, like all my daily masses and Sunday masses are live streamed. So when I when we uh, I receive communion for those who can't receive communion, so I take them through a, a a prayer that Lord, you know, thank you for dying for my sins, come into my heart, take control of my life. That every day to have an altar call to give my life to Jesus Christ and to reaffirm reaffirm that every day. Because my problem is I give Him my life every day, but then ten minutes later, sometimes I take it back because you know, <laughs> I want to do it my way instead of His. Way. I need that back for a minute. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I didn't really mean that, Jesus. You know, <laughs> so, you know, and the theme song of everybody in hell is "I did it my way." Huh? That's the theme song of everybody in hell. That's not the theme song of anyone who says they're a follower of Jesus. And that's why you wrote your book, Surrender, as well, right? Yes, so because exactly. that's that's exactly and what I, we're doing. And that's where I teach people how to pray that prayer I taught earlier. It's right written in there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I've went deeper with it throughout the years. But, uh, yes, it's the whole thing about are you going to do live life your way or God's way? And oh, yeah. don't call yourself a Christian until you start living it his way. And one of the things I love that you say about that is you say that part of our surrendering is actually being who God created us to be. That, yep. that we become more fully who we are because he is the one who created us. So if we yep. totally surrender ourselves to him, he's going to it, He's going to innervate us. He's going to put his Holy Spirit in us. He's going to take us to the places that he's created for us to walk into. He's going to give us the energy and the vision and the passion and the love to be able to serve where he's where he created us to go do that. But it's so scary to do that. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is the animator. So again, if you take a a cartoon and you see it just sitting there, and then you animate it, well, God, when he's inside of us, he animates us. And again, too often we think God's up there trying to get us to do something. But no, no, my favorite verse of the Bible is Galatians 2, 19 and 20. I have been crucified with Christ, Mm -hmm. so the life I live now is no longer my own. Jesus Christ lives inside of me. So what does that mean? If you want to be the best football player and you pray, God, I want to be the best football player. And he comes to you and he says, okay, what do you want? I want to be the best football player. He says, let me tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to live inside of you and I'm going to play football for you. You think you'd be good? You'd be fantastic. (laughs) Well, God says, you say, I want to be a good Christian. God says, let me tell you what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to come and live inside of you. You get out of the way and let me live my life through you, and you will be more alive than you've ever been. You will be more animated. You will, you know, again, Jesus said to us in John's gospel, you will do the things I do, and far greater than these you will do. Do we believe that, the Spirit of God that lives inside of us has that kind of power? We should, and we better start believing, because Jesus Christ is not a liar. This is uh, (laughs) That's a mic drop moment. And you want to talk about fully of the Spirit. This is the most animated man I've ever run into. <laughs> Holy smokes, the Holy Spirit must have taken over totally. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> and so we are going to ask you, Father, as we as we finish up our time with you, we are so thankful that you're with us. If you would pray um, for our listeners and maybe pray that they have some of that <laughs> Holy Spirit. Absolutely. <laughs> In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Holy Father, great God of love and mercy, we know that you hear us, and we're thankful that you always hear us. We ask you, Father, to reach out to the power of the Holy Spirit to everyone who listens or is listening to this right now. Just touch their heart. Reveal to them your Son, Jesus Christ. Help them to know that they are beloved sons and daughters of you, Almighty God. Animate them and fill them with your Holy Spirit. Set them on fire that people would watch them burn. We beg you these things, Holy Father, in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Lord be with you.
And with your spirit, may Almighty God bless, keep, and protect you. He was Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thank you, Father Larry Richards, so much for being our guest in the family room. And listeners, you can reach Father Larry and read about his books on our show notes. We'll have links to all of the things that he offers. And um, we look forward to having you with us again here next week in the family room where we offer hope, encouragement, truth, and wisdom for families. Thanks for hanging out with us in the family room, sponsored by Versprite. For more info, go to am1160thequest.com.